visit them and, and, and connect with them and, and check on them and see how they're doing and so forth and different things and find different reasons to, to, to spend time with them. And so I got to see uh, three of our graduates today and one other and one other uh, uh, pastor. Oh, I don't know. Is it, is it not on? All right, here we go. Great. All right, there we go. Now we're on. Okay. And uh, so I realize that Many of you were busy all day today also, and I appreciate you coming tonight. I'm thankful that you're here. Open your Bible, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10. Uh, the last two messages I preached, Sunday morning and Sunday night, we used quite a bit of Scripture. Tonight, we're just going to use one verse. We're going to find one place, Jeremiah chapter 10. Uh, in the Old Testament, it's Isaiah, then Jeremiah. And if you'll find Jeremiah chapter 10, we're going to read... One verse from there tonight. Glad to see so many of the children in the service tonight. I'm, I'm, I love when I get to preach to children. For 14 years, I preached the junior church at our church. I, it, uh, when Brother Hiles would preach on Sunday morning in our main auditorium, back then the auditorium would seat about 4,500 people. And it was pretty full every Sunday morning. And then when he finished preaching to the adults, they all left and we brought the children in. And I would have anywhere from 800 to 2,000 children in the main auditorium. Of course, I had a lot of workers in there with me helping me. But, but I would preach to them every Sunday afternoon uh, right after the morning service. I love uh, having children in the service. I'm glad, you're, I'm glad your children are, are here tonight. I, uh, I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 10. We're just going to read one verse tonight. Uh, verse 23. Chapter 10, Jeremiah Verse 23, this verse says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Notice the, those two phrases, the way of man is not in himself. And it says, it is not in man to direct his steps. If I could somehow take you to the very center of a large desert, one that was so large there were no mountains in the distance that you could see, no trees along the edge. You were in the very center of the desert and I could somehow get you there at exactly high noon, you'd have no idea which way to go. If I could somehow get you to the middle of the ocean, on a dark night when it's clouds and there's no stars, you'd have no idea which way to go. It's not in man to direct his own steps. We're not like the, the geese. You know, they can fly from Canada all the way to Mexico. And they don't, they don't have a GPS. They don't even have a, a, an atlas road map. They, 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 but they can somehow get there. It's just in them to know where to go. There were some scientists a few years back that were doing some research for some reason, I don't know why, but they were doing some research on uh, some wolves uh, uh, and, and they found a den of wolves uh, uh, just outside St. Cloud, Minnesota and they captured a couple of those wolves and they put a tracking device on them and they tracked those wolves as they left their dens in St. Cloud, Minnesota and they went almost due east until they came to about Green Bay, Wisconsin. When they got to just about into Green Bay, Wisconsin, they turned and started going south, and they went almost to the Illinois border, and just about the time they got to the Illinois border, 
they turned and started going northwest until they came back exactly 52 weeks later, one year later, they came back to the exact same dens they had left uh, a, a year before. After traveling 2,600 miles, they came right back to where they started from. That's not in me and you to, to do that. I uh, grew up in Louisiana. I've mentioned that many times when I've been here. And because of growing up in Louisiana, I spent much of my childhood and teen years uh, and even early adult, a uh, little bit of my early adult life in the woods, uh, in the swamps, the sloughs, the bayous, the creeks, lakes, and rivers, all over Louisiana and a little bit of East Texas. There were three boys in my family. I'm the middle boy. That proves the middle son is always the best looking. You'd have to see my brothers to understand that. <laughs> Just kidding. But, but, uh, there were three boys in our family, and I was the middle one, and my father treated all three of us exactly the same, at least in this one area I'm going to mention tonight. When we were four years of age, he would take us into the woods with him when he was going hunting, and he'd let us walk along behind him, you know, when we were four years of age, we'd walk along behind him, and if he saw something running, he would shoot it, With he had a 20-gauge shotgun, he would shoot a rabbit or a squirrel or whatever, a raccoon or whatever, you know, he saw. But if he saw something that was still, he would stop and he would get down on one knee and he would let one of us, the, whichever one was the, 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 you know, that age, he would let us stand in front of him. I remember my back being against my father's chest and my father's arms around my shoulders. And my father, when I was four years of age, would hold the shotgun and he would he would put it against his shoulder, but with me standing right here, he'd let me put my eye on the barrel and point it and pull the trigger. Now, when we were five years of age, he would do the same thing, except when he would get down on one knee, he would wrap his arms around my shoulders, and he would put the gun against my shoulder, and he would help me hold it, and he would, and he would let me pull the trigger. It was just a 20-gauge shotgun. They don't kick real bad like a 12-gauge or something. And he would let me uh, shoot the, that, you know, whatever he, he had found, he had let me shoot it. Now, when we were six, seven, and eight, those years, he had a, uh, a youth model 410 shotgun, a little short shotgun, uh, bolt, a bolt action, and, and he would let us carry that shotgun, but no bullet in the, in the barrel, <laughs> just only, only in the chamber, uh, uh, in the magazine, I mean, and, and he would uh, let us carry that shotgun walking along behind him, and if he saw something running, he'd shoot it. If he saw something, steal. And he always told us, if you see something, tell me and I'll let you shoot it. I never saw anything before he did. <laughs> he always saw it first. But he would, he would let me walk along behind him, or whichever brother it was that was the, the, that age, and, and uh, if he saw something, steal, he would step over. He'd let us move up put one in the barrel, and let us shoot uh, whatever we were hunting for. And we always took it home and ate it and so forth. And then when we turned nine years of age, fourth grade, all three of us, the exact same thing, he would allow us to take that 410 shotgun and our dog and go into the woods and go hunting by ourselves. I could leave the house before daylight in the morning. I could go out in the woods and hunt as long as I wanted. Or I could come home from school in the afternoon and get my chores done right quick, 
and then go out into the woods and I could hunt as late as I wanted. I could stay out after dark. Uh, many, many, many nights I walked home by the light of the moon through Mr. Sykes' pasture, up, up, up uh, through the barbed wire fence and up, up by our barn and, and, and into the house. Uh, I, I, I spent uh, my childhood and my teen years uh, uh, fishing, hunting, hiking, uh, horseback riding, uh, overnight trail rides, uh, camping, frog gigging, whitewater rafting, uh, after I moved north, uh, snowmobiling some and, and, run, and, 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 and riding four-wheelers. I have hunted or trapped fox, squirrels, rabbits, uh, doves, uh, quail, coons, ducks, geese, pheasant, deer, elk, wild boar. And by the way, we, we hunt wild boar a little different than some people do. Uh, we have a pack of bay dogs, uh, uh, six or eight or ten dogs, and they chase the wild boar until they bay him up. They circle him, get around him, and hold him in one place. And then we have two pit bulls, and we turn them loose, and they go in and take the hog down. One grabs him by the ear or the cheek, and the other one gets his back leg or something, and they get him down on the ground. And then we, my brother's a guide, and so we have a customer who's paid to, to go hunting with us. And it, we have a big knife, and they go in and they stab the uh, the wild boar uh, while the the, the 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 dogs are holding him down. But I've hunted wild boar, I've hunted bear, not with a knife, but but I've hunted bear. <laughs> I've hunted coyotes, uh, cougars, water moccasins, rattlesnakes, and gators. Uh, by the time I was nine years of age, uh, I was allowed uh, to spend all day in the woods if I wanted to. But my dad had two rules. When I was nine years old and I could go hunting, uh, I had two rules. Number one, he counted out the number of shotgun shells I could take with me. And when I came home, I had to have the number of shotgun shells he gave me or something dead <laughs> that added up to the number of shotgun shells. There was none of this, well, I thought I could shoot it. It was running. I missed. I mean, you had to know for sure. And then the second rule was you could not take one of your buddies with you. He figured he had taught his nine-year-old son how to go in the woods and handle a gun, but two nine-year-old boys in the woods with a gun, <laughs> that wasn't good news. <laughs> so that was the two rules he had. By the time I was 12 years of age, uh, I was allowed to go spend all night in the woods or the swamps or, the, or down the bayou or something. Uh, uh, then I could take one of my buddies or, or my brother, and we would spend all night frog gigging or, or running trot lines or, or hunting coons or whatever we were doing. Uh, by the time I was a teenager, I was allowed to go into the swamps. We had a shack up in the edge of the swamps on a bayou. And, and I, would, I was allowed to go to that uh, shack and stay as, as long as three days and three nights. I've been there before when I was 16, 17 years of age and never see another human being the whole time I was there. My hunting and fishing and hiking and camping and horse, uh, trail riding, horseback, you know, and all that uh, took me throughout much of Louisiana, some of Texas, Arkansas, Florida, Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, West Virginia, Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, especially the Upper Peninsula, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Montana, Idaho, Washington, Wyoming, Colorado, California, Arizona, Oregon, and Alaska, plus uh, Alberta, Ontario, and Manitoba, Canada. Now stay with me, I'm going somewhere with this. I've been on more creeks, streams, bayous, lakes, rivers, gulfs, bays, and oceans than I could list. Multiple times I've been in the Ozark Mountains, Smoky Mountains, Blue Ridge Mountains, Blue Mountains, 
Cumberland Mountains, Rocky Mountains, Cascade Mountains, Bitterroot Mountains, Bighorn Mountains. I'm just about there. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. I, I, I have a statement I want to make. I've been in the Ouachita National Forest, the Ozark National Forest, the Pikes Peak National Park, the Grand Mesa National Forest, the Rocky Mountain National Park, the Florida Keys, the Ottawa National Forest, the Glacier National Park, the Flathead National Forest, the Grand Canyon National Park, the Mount Hood National Forest, Black Hills National Forest, Badlands National Park, Smoky Mountain National Park, Cherokee National Forest, Mount St. Helen National Park, Olympic National Park, Yellowstone National Park, Grand Teton National Forest, the Chippewa National Forest, King Ranch in Texas, the Terra Nova National Park in, in Newfoundland, Canada, uh, the International Boundary Waters in Minnesota, the Shoshone National Forest, and all over the Kenai Peninsula of Alaska. And here's the statement I want to make. I've never one time in my life ever been lost in the woods or on a lake or a river or a bayou or a swamp. And you think, but the Bible said the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man to direct his steps. Since that's what the Bible says, and as we often say erroneously, but if that be true, <laughs> then how could you hunt, fish, hike, uh, horseback riding, trail rides, uh, canoeing, camping, uh, whitewater rafting, four-wheeling, wave running, uh, snowmobiling, kayaking, day and night for up to seven days at a time and never be lost, not one time. Not one time have I ever spent 10 seconds wondering, how did I get here? Where do I go next? How do I get back to where I came from? Now, in the woods. I've had that happen in Chino before. <laughs> I've had that happen in Chicago before. <laughs> but, but in the woods, how, how, how could that be? Okay, I can tell you very simply. By the time I was nine years of age, my father had taught me to choose. Now, he never used this phrase. I added this phrase to it after I became an adult. But he taught me to choose what I call reference points. He taught me that every time I went into the woods, pick out a reference point. And his, his teaching was, choose that reference point and keep your eyes on it. Stay within sight of it the whole time you're there. Never lose sight of that reference point. For example, uh, one of the ones that he taught me to use was a fence. He said, when you go into the woods to go hunting and some new woods you've never been in before, follow a fence into the woods and hunt along that fence within 50 or 100 yards on both sides of it, but keep that fence within sight. And you follow the fence into the woods, and when you get ready to leave, you follow it back out. And the amazing thing is, you always wind up where you started. <laughs> or he said that you could use a creek or a shoreline, or a game trail, or a pipeline, or a highline, or a valley, or a mountain peak, or even the sun, according to what time of the day it is, or even the moon at night, it rises in the east and sets in the west, just like the, the sun does. The Bible says the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man to direct his steps, but the Bible also says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. How does the Lord order my steps very simply 
he gives us some reference points. And he tells us if we'll choose those reference points and keep our eyes on those reference points, we'll never get lost. You will never wander around and wonder, now where do I go? Now what do I do? Where do I go next? Okay, let me give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. This book right here is the best reference point I know of. I thought it was amazing when he sang that song tonight because I knew what I was about to get up and preach about. This, this, this book right here is the best reference point you and I have. It is the best one that, that we have. This book has been settled in heaven forever, and it always will be. The Bible says the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. It also says, order my steps in thy word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. You know, if you'll get this book right here, the King James Bible, uh, the only Bible there is in the English language, if you'll get this book right here and you'll just read this book and keep your eyes on this book right here, you won't wander very far off the track. You won't, you won't lose your path. You won't, uh, you won't wonder, uh, now, now where should I go? If you'll study this book, if you'll teach this book to your family, if you'll memorize this book, if you'll, uh, okay, there ought to be a Bible somewhere fairly close to you most of the time. Most of the time, you ought to be able to get to a Bible without too much trouble. Now, I know I'm a preacher. I understand that. But, but I'm just saying, I have two automobiles. I have a Bible in both of them. I have uh, two offices, one at the, at the college and one at home. I have a Bible in both of them. In, one of, in my office at the college, I have about 15 or 16 Bibles. But I have one at home. I have one in my briefcase. I have one in my bedroom. I always have one in the hotel room where I am. Uh, I, I rarely ever get very far away from access to a Bible. If you'll read this book and if you'll study this book, this book will be a great reference point for you. All right, let me give you another example. I'm just going to give you two or three examples. Another one for you children that are here tonight, one of the greatest reference points you have is your parents. You know, the Bible says, uh, my son... Hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart uh, keep my commandments. My son, attend to my words and climb thine ear unto my sayings. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Can I explain to you how I figured out how to get through the woods? And by the way, to this day, I feel as comfortable in any woods I've ever been in. You can take me anywhere you want to and put me in the woods. I'll feel as comfortable there as some of you ladies feel in your kitchen at home. Now, can I tell you how I, how I got that way? It was because when I was four and five and six and seven and eight years of age, every time we went in the woods, I told my dad what we should do. I told my dad where we should go. No, it didn't work that way. <laughs> when I was four and five and six and seven and eight years of age, I went where my dad went. 
I followed him. Well, I remember he, he had these, he, you know, to me it seemed like he had these big long legs and he would take these what seemed to me these big steps. And I remember as a little kid trying to put my foot in his footsteps, you know, and it just wouldn't work. I, I couldn't get there. My legs weren't long enough. But I, but I tried my best to stay right with him. I followed him. Look, can I tell you this, boys and girls? You'll save yourself a lot of trouble. You'll save yourself a lot of heartache. If you have a godly mom and dad, if you have a mom and dad, a mom or dad or mom and dad uh, that, that, that know the Lord, uh, that read this book, that come to church, or even if, they just, if they're just good, hardworking people and they love you, and, and, and if you'll just listen to them, you'll get a big head start in life. Another example I can give you of a reference point that God has given us is pastors. The Bible says that uh, 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 God said, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Do you know it was not Brother Patterson's idea for this church to be here? <laughs> you know, that was God's idea. You know, it was not Brother Patterson's idea that a church have a pastor. That was God's idea. You know, it was not uh, Brother Patterson's idea that every week there would be one person up here sort of leading what was happening here. That was God's idea. And can, can I explain to you why that man right there loves you as much as he does? It is because God gave you a pastor after his own heart. If God were living in the flesh today and he was here on this earth, God would want to be a pastor. He would want to love some people. He would want to care about them. He would want to take this book right here and teach them how to improve their life and improve their family. And he would want to teach them things that would uh, prevent them from ruining their lives with sin and heartache and so forth. That's what God would want to do. That's God's heart. But God's not here in the flesh. So the, he sent somebody who is after his own heart. Do you know there's things that God puts in the heart of that man right there because God called that man right there to be your pastor? Now, if he pastored some other church that had some other people that were different than you, God would put some different things in his heart. But God puts in the heart of that man some of the things that he would have in his heart if he were here. Can I give you one more quick example? How about the example, uh, 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 the, the, uh, the, the, the reference point of preaching? You know, the Bible says, uh, uh, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And how shall they hear without a preacher? I don't know why. I can't explain this to you. But when I got saved at the age of 15, I fell in love with preaching. Man, I wanted to hear preaching. I got saved on Monday night. I didn't know they had church on Wednesday night. So the following Sunday, I went to church. When I was in church on that Sunday, they said, We're going to have a revival this week. Monday through Friday night. I went Monday through Friday night. Uh, that week, they on Wednesday night, it, uh, something was said that made it obvious to me that, oh, they do this every week on Wednesday night. So the next week, I went back to church on Sunday morning, and I went Sunday night. And the next week, I went Sunday morning and Sunday night and Sunday morning and Sunday night. And four years later, when I left home to go to Hiles Anderson College, I had missed three church services. 
I went to the hospital on a Saturday morning and got out on Friday afternoon. I missed Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I'd missed three church services because I liked preaching. I wanted to hear it. It helped me. It, it encouraged me. It strengthened me. It taught me things. And, you know, I, fi- I found out that they didn't just preach on Sunday and Wednesday. They had meetings on Monday nights. They had meetings on Tuesday nights, sometimes Thursday and Friday and Saturday night. And I remember many, many, many times as a teenager uh, going to school and then go rush to my job and work for two or three hours and then get off work and, and find, out, find out they had some preaching somewhere and I'd go hear some preaching. And then uh, uh, later on, I found out that they had, uh, now, now, some of you are so young, you don't, you don't know what this is, but they had these things called cassette tapes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was right after they had the eight-track tapes, and they had the cassette tapes, and, and uh, uh, that was right after we, we quit driving horse and buggy. <laughs> but, but, but they had these things called cassette tapes, and they used to have sermons on them. There was no such thing as an online sermon. There was no such thing as a YouTube or or any of that kind of stuff, or an, or an iPad, or a, or, or a thumb drive, or whatever, you know, none of that, but they had these cassette tapes, and I had this little tape recorder that my mother bought me for Christmas, it was about the size of a loaf of bread, <laughs> and it took eight little batteries to make it work, and I'd take that uh, tape recorder, and I'd put it on the seat of the car next to me, you know, before Detroit ever came up with the idea of there being CD players or, or tape players in a car, I had my tape player in my car, and I'd drive down the road listening to sermons. The better off, you'll be better off if you can find two or three or more reference points that all match up. I remember one time my father and my two brothers and I the four of us, this only happened one time since I became an adult. All four of us were going to get to go hunting together one time. It worked out. I was preaching in Cheyenne, Wyoming on a Sunday, and they drove up there. And after church Sunday night, we got in their truck that they had driven up from Louisiana. And we drove all night from Cheyenne, Wyoming, southeast corner of Cheyenne, to Jackson, Wyoming, the northwest corner of Wyoming. It took us all night long to drive there. We got there just a little before daylight. Some other friends had gone before us and set up a camp. They had some horses ready for us to elk hunt off of up in the mountains in the Grand Teton National Forest. And that morning, a little before daylight, and none of us had been there before, none of my brothers, my dad, nor I, we got on those horses and we left that camp a little before daylight and we started up the side of the mountain. As it began to be daylight, I could see on our left there was a river down in the valley. We were going up the mountain and upstream of that river. And all day as we were riding up the side of that mountain hunting for elk, the Grand Tetons were off to our left. You could see them over there in the distance. And the sun was on our right coming up in the east. And about 1 o'clock that afternoon, my dad said, Boys, I think it's about time we head back to camp. And I remember thinking, camp, oh yeah, we got to find the camp. And that quick it came to me. We went up the mountain all morning if we go down the mountain in the afternoon. We went upstream of the river this morning if we go downstream of the river this afternoon. The Grand Tetons were on our left all morning if we keep them on our right all afternoon. And if the sun had been on our right all morning and now it's afternoon, if the sun's still on our right, and you know what happened? 
a little after dark, we wound up in the same camp we left that morning a little before daylight. If your children have two or three reference points that matter, what am I talking about? If your life, parents, match up with this book, and your life matches up with what he preaches, and your life matches up with what's taught here at this church, your children have three or four different reference points that all match up, and it'll help them find their way in life. If one reference point, the Bible says, do this, and, uh, and you go to a church where the pastor says, well, the Bible's not all that important. You probably ought to do this. And then you do something different than both of those. That really confuses children. But when you come to a church like this where the pastor's preaching matches what this book says, and then if you go home and your life matches what he says and what the Bible says, that gives your children a three, uh, a three, uh, th three advantages. It gives them a head start in life. You're better off if you have one. You have more than one reference point. Can I explain to you quickly why you sometimes find yourself nervous? Why you sometimes have a lack of confidence? Why you sometimes feel worried? <laughs> While sometimes it seems like you have a lack of faith, it's because you've lost sight of your reference point. Now you're wondering, what do we do next? You don't have to wonder what to do next as long as you keep your eyes on your reference points. You know who your pastor is is more important than who your boss is? Which church you attend is more important than which house you own? How much truth you're learning is more important than how much salary you're earning? A college that trains you and prepares you to be the right kind of spouse is more important than a college that just prepares you to, to work a career. You know where you go soul winning is more important than where you go deer hunting? Well, I don't know about that one, but, but anyway, the rest of them are true. Uh, but the, uh, the, the, the standards and the convictions that you dress by is more important than the brands and the fashions you dress by. When I was... In the uh, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, four years in a row, I had a best friend by the name of Tim Jamar. Tim Jamar and I took turns every other Friday night. I would go to his house on Friday night, we'd spend the night. We would go across the road in front of his house on Saturday morning, down through the pasture behind Mr. Carter's house, and we would go into the woods back behind there, there was a bayou back there, and we would, Tim and I would play in those woods on Saturday morning. Every other Saturday night, he would come to my house on Friday night, and we would leave my house on, on, on the Saturday morning, and we would go down by our barn and through the pasture and down past Mr. Sykes' pasture and into the woods, Mr. Bozeman's woods, we called them, and we would play in those woods all morning on Saturday morning. That was third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. When I got to the seventh grade, my dad finally said, Okay, son, you're old enough now. You can pick one of your friends and you can bring him and he can go hunting with us and, and I'll be there with the two of you and, 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 the, and we can go hunting together. Well, there was no choice about it. It was, I'm going to take Tim Jamar. So we invited Tim to go hunting with us and Tim agreed to go. So Saturday morning, we drove to Tim's house. We parked our truck in his yard. We walked across the road uh, down through Mr. Carter's pasture and into the woods by, back behind his pond. 
and there was a bayou down there, and we came to what we called a pin oak flat. A pin oak is a tree that grows in Louisiana where it's kind of wet. It's a big oak tree, and it grows real tall, and it has a canopy that's so thick up here, it blocks the sunlight, and so nothing grows below it. And so it's almost like you're in a city park. You've got this big, giant tree, lots of them all close together, and then you can see down through the woods for hundreds of yards because nothing's growing except these big oak trees. And so we came to one of these pin oak flats. We got there a little before daylight, and my dad said to Tim, Tim, you sit right here underneath this big oak tree. He said this is a den tree. What he meant was there were some squirrels living in that tree. Dad could tell by looking at it. I won't go into all that, but th there's a way you can tell. And, and he said to Tim, uh, you sit right here, and a little after daylight, you'll see some squirrels up there in that tree, and you can shoot them with your shotgun. He said, I'm going to take Ray right over here, and he's going to sit over there under a different tree, and I'm going to go right over there, and I'm going to sit down. And so we did. This was about 20 minutes before daylight. Well, about 15 minutes later, it was just barely beginning to get a little bit of light in the sky. You couldn't see yet around you very well, but, but you could see daylight beginning to, to, to appear between the limbs of the trees. And all of a sudden, everything was quiet, and I heard, Help! Help! Boom! Boom, boom! I thought, wow, what was that? And a few seconds later, I heard, Help! 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 Boom! Boom, boom! Man, what's going on? And I heard my dad crashing through the woods. Now, my dad was as quiet as an Indian when he went through the woods, but not that morning. He was breaking limbs and, and, and running and, and, and making all kind of noise. And I thought, man, something's wrong. i got to go see. And so I jumped up and I rushed over there. I didn't know if a gator had come up out of the bayou or if a black panther had come by. We had those down there. And, and I didn't know what was wrong. And as I broke into that pin oak flat, it was just enough light. I could see Tim standing there with his shotgun like this. He was trembling all over. He was red in the face. He was perspiring. And, and my dad had his arm around Tim's shoulder. And my dad was saying, you're okay. Just calm down. Everybody's going to be fine. And then he said, Ray was right over there. You couldn't see him, but Ray was right over there. And he said, you couldn't see me, but... Tim, I was right over there. In fact, I could see you, but you couldn't see me, and we're going to be fine. And Tim did calm down, and we hunted for a few hours. We went back to the house. We dropped Tim off at his house. We got in the truck to go home, and I couldn't wait. The moment Dad started that truck, before he got it in reverse, I said, Dad, what in the world happened to Tim this morning? He said, well, son, that's the very first time he's ever been in the woods where he couldn't see another human being. And I thought to myself, well, big deal. I've been doing that, you know, every, you know every, every week during hunting season. I've been doing that since I was in the fourth grade. And I guess Dad could see the look on my face, and he turned and he said, Son, you've got to remember, Tim's father passed away when Tim was still a little infant in a crib. He didn't have a father to teach him what I taught you about finding your way through the woods. And 
the reason we sometimes find ourselves feeling panicky is because we've lost sight of our reference point. Let's pick some solid reference points. I don't know of a better one than this. God gave us the church. God gave us a pastor. God, uh, God uh, gave us preaching. And, 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 and you can choose some others, but those are some examples. So can I ask you tonight to bow your head and close your eyes?